0: This is Absolute Rally, powered
1: by the Kielder Works team, cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello everyone,
2: welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 4, season 22. We've got an epic podcast for you, but that's probably going to happen in about half an hour's time. The first half hour of it is going to be absolute bedlam. I'm going to make reference to the fact that I did the ABC gag on the Christmas quiz, uh, and I've now got everybody all in the same place. So I've got Trevor Agnew, hello. Hello. I've got Jack Benyon, Hello. Hello. I've got Ryan Champion. Hello. And I've got John Desbra. to lower. There you go. And that, that that's it. I could literally end the podcast there. I've been waiting to do that for such a long time, but I won't do that. Um two of you I've got nothing to plug. The other two of you are always going to have something to plug. So I'm going to come to the first person who'll be plugging absolutely nothing other than his puppy's bum. Jack Bang, how are you keeping?
3: Good, I've diverted my uh flinging from you guys to to, 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 to a new dog now, so that's uh that's been entertaining. But uh, you'll be sad to know, unlike Francois Delacour, he doesn't have a a rally themed name, unfortunately.
2: (laughs) Oh, it's sexy, isn't
3: it? I couldn't sell the mess, I couldn't sell the missus on that. I couldn't sell the missus on that.
2: No, so it's Rex, which is Uh, a proper dog's name, first name T, yeah, (laughs) T Rex. See, I like I like animals with human names. We've got a cat called Steve, for instance, which you all know, you've all met him now. Uh well you haven't, John, but the others have. Um I like I like human names on animals. I just think it's really funny. Genuinely, and I this isn't a joke. I was in the park with my with, with Johnny a few months back and there was a, a woman there with a dog called Eileen and I genuinely hung around the park to wait for her to call it. <laughs>
3: Does anyone know what Francois Delacour's dog's called, by the way? Uh, oh, it's, a, it's, Hyundai. A good, it's a good yeah. quiz question. Go on, what is it? It's Bursay after the, after the Montecarlo stage.
2: Yeah. I
4: never knew that.
3: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad we're nearly getting back to motorsport because I thought I was listening to the Pets at
4: Home podcast.
3: Well, oh. Jamie, friend of the show, Jamie Arkell of the Gravel Crew did message me um, and he said a question for the next Absolute Rally quiz. What did Francois Delacour decide to call his pet dog? It's rally related, obviously. And yeah. I think he was really disappointed when I just replied Berze quite quickly. So
2: you, yeah, and you what? really enjoyed sending that message back, didn't you?
3: So much. Yeah. So, so, so much.
2: Yeah, I, I completely and utterly get it. I can imagine that there was almost not that you can sense smugness. But as you were typing it, you felt good, like you've not caught me out on this one.
3: Yep, correct. Yeah, and, I'm, and now I'm waiting for the for the next five messages that he's going to send me as soon as he's listened to this, which I won't know the answer to, and I'll just be uh, rolling in my uh, rolling in my own muck, so to speak.
2: <laughs> How have we started like this? This is just—it's just you know what? I had a structure and everything in mind.
3: Yeah. But, no, really I I not
2: It's all gone out the window, hasn't it? Um, Ryan Champion, I'm gonna to come to you first. Arctic rally this weekend. First question, straight out the box. Have you updated your fantasy
4: league uh, side? Well, there's not a lot of point because I didn't manage to do it for the first round, did I? So um I, I, I'm not bothering now. You absolute Benyon Jack
2: Benyon, have you done yours?
3: <laughs> not yet, but I'm glad you reminded me. Thanks very so much.
2: Yeah, I did mine the other day. I was really excited by it. Trev, did you get involved?
5: I wasn't going to remind anybody about it. What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> Jesus, do you know how close it is between me and Jacob? Right. It's <laughs> okay. one point difference, I think. Do
2: you want me to tell you do you want me to tell you what my team is going to be
5: first? No, for we're week? not interested.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm not telling you. Sorry. Sorry, Shrev, you're not the station master today. Right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Sounds like a <the> part controller talking. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you go and have your Thomas tank, right? Uh, My uh, side uh, is uh, <laughs> that's it. This is exactly where we need that music. Um, <laughs> Sebastian Ogier, Callie Robenperra, Oliver Solberg, Craig Breen, Andreas Mickelson.
1: Boy. <laughs> That? Surely each of those is rated with points, and you're only allowed to have 30 points worth of picks. No, or you've got
2: you've got you've got up to 9.9, and Sebastian Ogier is 4.02. Cali Rofenper is 1.89. Oliver Solberg 0.38. Craig Beans 2.46, and Andreas mm-hmm. Mickelson is 1.10. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I, I know you haven't got involved yet with our fantasy league, nice. so, to, so to speak, Trev. Uh, uh, sorry. John, sorry, there's too many people really because
1: I do live in a fantasy world, as you know. Yeah. I, I've I, think, got... I've got, I think I've got the best team name.
3: Go on, what's yours? WRC37, the R5 Strikes Back.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, it's it's, it's next, his name.
3: next year's R5 class.
1: Oh, I haven't got a team, but my team name would have to be Slippy Maybe which if Robbie Head tunes in, will know what that means. And that will send a shiver down his spine, take us back 20 years. And if anybody knows why my team, which doesn't actually exist at the moment, will be called Slippy Maybe, then I'd love to hear from was that, them. Was now, that it's, got, it's got to do with Scotland and the sir? <laughs> yeah, they must have been. They must have been on that hairpin at the
2: time. <laughs> I was just about to say that was you going off on an Evo 9. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I Austin should say L- late call, John. Late call. I'll nothing, I think because I think Rob is
1: in with the uh, Spanish mafia now, and he knows people. Okay.
2: All right. <laughs> Listen. Speaking of co-drivers, um, we kind of right. We spoke about this with 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 um, with Julian at the top of this se- season. You know about substitute co-drivers, and I also spoke to the American boys right uh, last week. Who were on with us about you know what would happen if yeah. one of them tested positives. So. Yeah. Uh, so now we've got a situation where there's been a late call and Seb Marshall has come to the rescue. Now, before before I bring you in, John, I just want to come to, come to Ryan first. Um, is this the time now where every other team is going to look at having somebody traveling with the team, even as a coordinator or something that could possibly jump in the seat?
6: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: uh, well it is odd that we just talked about it the other week didn't we and um you know i, I guess there's nothing like uh, an actual situation for, for making people think about these things Is the teams managed to to get through last year pretty much intact but um but there's been this this sudden last minute change i mean i think as it as it happens you couldn't have anybody better than Seb marshall alongside for your first outing in a in a proper wrc car so i think you know in terms of uh, super sub car drivers he's he's the perfect man for the job because uh, he's got obviously a lot of experience in these cars but uh, there's a, a lot to take in for uh, a very young mr solberg this weekend
2: i think so trev um you've worked behind the scenes with several teams well funny enough we were talking about a situation before we started recording this of, of a project you and i kind of inadvertently worked on many years ago but um Is this something now where maybe, you know, we all know that coordinators tend to have a background uh, in rallying. Are are we going to see a lot more spare race suits and helmets and hand devices and being able to read other people's notes? Uh, You know, is that going to be a bit of a thing now, do you think?
5: I don't know. It's it's certainly worth considering from a contingency point of view to have it. as Ryan said, no better man than Seb Marshall to step in. The last time he stepped into a winter rally last minute was when Danny Sordo fell off his mountain bike. Isn't it ridiculous these drivers, Ryan, to keep using mountain bikes? It'd be much safer than a motorbike, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but that's what happened at the winter rally. And, of course, then I had to sub for Seb as part of the WRC or Rally radio team, which was great way back in 2015 for Sweden. Uh, you got a feel for poor Aaron Johnson, though. First opportunity to get in a winter rally in a world rally car, and uh, because of COVID, he's not able to do it. But, of course, he's young, and this partnership will go on for many years. So it's only a matter of time before he gets back in it. Um, Yeah, so to answer your question, it definitely could be. There's certainly plenty of coordinators or co-drivers, so it might be worth bringing a sub in with you. Uh, I don't know whether Seb was in finland before the call came up i saw somewhere that he was there helping hyundai but also read where he was drafted in i haven't spoke to him about it but we have been texting back and forward about his prep and all of that so uh yeah i don't know uh, how that all came about
2: jack sebbs we know the ultimate professional he's he's fantastic at painting fences when he's not (laughs) in a in in a a co-driving seat but as, as as we've just said there nobody better one of our own so to speak if we can claim him
3: I was uh, I was about to text him actually when I saw the news today, um... <laughs> Make sure you're uh, not as good at taking down fences as you as you are putting them up. So, I see
2: what you did there. Well done.
3: Yeah, yeah. So uh, hopefully has a, a good round. But glad to hear that Aaron's okay and he's had uh, two negative tests now. So um, he, you know theoretically he will be able to take part if if not for the the protocols that are in place and and, and the timing of the whole situation. But as you know, as Cheb said, you know horrible for him not to be able to to get that WRC debut out there. So yeah, we'll we'll hope he's back soon and yeah, looking forward to to seeing what they can do. And I think uh, I think the last time there was a co-driver in the WRC, I made a prediction that it wouldn't go very well and it did go very well. So I'm going to, uh, I'm not going to say anything this time for for fear of jinxing
1: Seb and uh, and, and the team there. Good, I don't I remember that. that. For sure.
2: say, say that again, John.
1: Can John Desborough be controversial? Go on. Well, the debate today across the country is all about vaccine passports. Surely the FIA has got a bit of clout and can get some uh, vaccines into these people get them all vaccinated, get them passported, get the right sort of paperwork. Uh, it can't be that hard. When I went to Kenya, I had one of those little brown bits of cardboard. You used to take the GP and they gave me a sugar lump and a jab and said, come back for your malaria in a fortnight. And you're free to go to Kenya and you'll be OK. And that was just a bit of brown cardboard with a few stamps on it. Now, surely now's the time to get the FIA to get everybody vaccinated and passported so that you know, whoever you want can go around the world pretty much.
5: How does it work in other sports? Do you know?
1: I don't. I don't know. I mean, I honestly thought the FIA would get, there would have some clout somewhere within Europe to say, you know, listen, we've got X thousand people, um, can we just get these people at the front of a queue somewhere, somehow? I mean, can you not get a bunch of vaccine to motorsport events, get everybody vaccinated, get them done at the second round of a championship? And then, you know, you're free to go. You just turn up and kind of go, na nah, 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 nah. Look what I've got. I've got my passport. I'm vaccinated. I can't catch it. I don't care who you are or what you've got. I won't catch it. Um, I've been inoculated. Show me the car. Let's get on.
5: I think the challenge there is trying to explain that to somebody who's got a heart condition and 50 years of age or whatever.
1: I think. Uh, uh, yeah, oh, no. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, but, you know, at at some point, uh, this this is the whole debate about the vaccines. You know, I've got one. You haven't. So, you know, yeah. it's up on you, um, they're having to make, uh, you know, very uh, difficult decisions on who gets them and who wouldn't. But um I would have thought, you know, if you could get everybody vaccinated that that needed to be, then it would make life a lot easier. And, you know, people wouldn't mind that much. I don't care. I wouldn't think I mean, you wouldn't have to tell anybody. You could just jab everybody and let them get on with it and the whole thing would go away.
2: I do know from a point of view, speaking to some of the teams, uh, some of the privateers and even some of the other teams as well. You know, we're having up to maybe six or seven tests, and they are paying. I think 150 euros a pop. Yes, in in,
4: in some instances. So and more and more if you want instant results. Yeah, yeah. So having had seven in the last uh, eight days.
1: Yeah, and all of those, I guess, is going on somebody's invoice, and it's all going up and it's being paid ultimately by somebody. You know, at the top of I don't know the promoter, the team, the FIA, something like that. So or or us? Yeah, or us. Yeah. So, sure. uh, you know, if you think of that, that's a very good point. If you think of that cost every round you go to, you need half a dozen tests and you've got, I don't know, 100 people going and they're 150 euros a pop, then um, uh, there's very good reason for doing it. Yeah. Uh, right you, you obviously you,
2: you've just you've just been traveling was that was that the same instance for you how many did, did you say you had six or seven as well
4: uh, yeah um i mean you have to have five now is is the minimum because there's one to go one to come back and then three once you're back if you want to leave quarantine after five days um four otherwise but then also you did your, your time to come into play so it depends what country you're traveling in like some are 72 hours but some are 48 hours now so so i actually ended up doubling up on two tests because of where I was traveling through because there isn't direct flights now at the minute. And some countries you can transit through without, some you can't. And and logistically, it's it's very, very difficult. And that's just... For me traveling, you know, when you when you're looking for uh, a team that's got hundreds of people in it to uh, monitor the vaccines of all these, uh, sorry, monitor the uh, tests of all these people um, and the different countries they're flying through from from different locations. You know, the logistics of getting a team to a rally at the minute must be a complete nightmare.
2: Well, I can tell you it is because I'm working with several people. But um, Jack, I'm going to do something that you'll be really shocked about now. I'm actually going to ask you a roundy roundy question.
3: Huh. okay Far yeah. away.
2: so in your professional capacity um i don't know whether the seasons have got underway uh, in the states in places like that and obviously we appreciate how big the states is but is there any protocol or anything going on over there obviously we know we've just had snowdrift rally and funny enough we've got martin brady coming up a bit later on the podcast talking about what's happened you know with regards to the AR- ara series but is there anything happening certainly in the race series the way those travel around over there
3: it's to be honest it's all different and all, all of the championships have all got their own kind of approaches and stuff so it's it's a little bit it's a little bit difficult um with with that, and obviously with most of them haven't started their new season, so haven't revealed their protocol for how you know how they'll operate this season. But NASCAR's been uh, pretty strict with with how they've gone about it. They were um, they were one of the shortest championships, I'd say, in, in lockdown last year. They they were back competing by May last year, which was pretty incredible, really, and provided a bit of a blueprint for for all motorsport championships to move forward, including you know there's rallying championships out there that contacted NASCAR to work out you know how they'd gone about it, and it, that mostly. Involve temperature checks, um, you know, entering the venue and then, and then checks out you know uh, tests outside of events but yeah um they, they've continued to to compete since since last may and have started their season they just had daytona 500 and then the the second race of the season last weekend as well so so they're up and running and uh, i guess you know the other championships are kind of having a watch of, of what nascar have been doing and nascar actually uh, last week one of the first championships to um, to find someone for breaching covid protocol which was chip ganassi a uh, you know a huge team owner over in in the states and he um, apparently brought in a you know an unauthorized person into the paddock which he was um, then fined I think it was $30,000 for so I'm um, taking it seriously out there but you know each championship's got their own uh, interpretation of the rules and and you know are happy with different levels of, of testing whether that's uh, more frequent or less frequent but it's obviously um, with the with the, the, the sheer size of the states there's uh, you know each state is has a, a different uh, sort of use of the vaccine um, access to the vaccine and stuff like that so they're having uh, you know they're kind of going through this whole debate at the minute you know similar to what was described earlier in the show about who should get the vaccine first and all that kind of thing and I think um, yeah I think I think rallying is quite far down the pecking order at the moment in terms of priority to to get the vaccine out which is unfortunate for, for the championship but just a, a factual you know part of life at the moment
2: but obviously at the moment they're doing it the, the best that they can is it is at you know, that we we've always joked about it. It is a bit of a travelling circus, John, but obviously numbers are kept to a minimum and you know, we're just kinda of keeping just keeping the same guys out and just keep them working and just try and get get through it, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I can understand having you know a team that travels and a team that stays at home. I can understand teams that are stressed to the point of you know breaking point and must be at the end of their tethers because they've spent so much time going from these high to low density um, parts of, of the sport. And did you did you say
2: breaking way.
4: point there, John? Did you say Sorry?
2: point? Sorry, <laughs> oh what? Did you My say breaking word. point? Oh, John, John Desbre. that's on a yellow. You're on a yellow for that, John.
1: Oh, it's you know it's it's so imbued in me now i just i just can't <laughs> help it the well spotted wrote, kind of just on that subject the one thing that did disappoint me was that having written <laughs> having written a kindle follow-up from monte carlo called the road to turini we didn't do turini but which i thought it was a great idea by this, but there we go anyway um <clears throat> yeah it's um it yeah it is difficult and it will be and it'll carry on being that way but um you, you've got to keep um on top of the medicals of everybody. Otherwise, you just need one rogue person to turn up. You know, there's, I'm talking to a few at the moment who happens to have the, uh, uh, the um, you know, have COVID but be asymptomatic. And then what does it do if the entire team comes down? I mean, they all must they're gonna, they're gonna be mixing, you know, to a greater rather than a lesser extent. Uh, and they must all be fed up with each other. So, um, Absolutely. but that's why I say, why not get them all jabbed and get get a passport and then you know be done with it. It's cheap, isn't it? Anyway, <laughs> I'd like to apologise for bringing the whole thing down to a very serious level because you know we need. We need John, to grow in John, a, you, a, you say
2: that, you say that, right? But you've just managed to get plug both your books and that one answer.
5: Yeah. Well, has you written a book?
2: Has it, yeah, he has, yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus, <laughs> wouldn't that happen? I think it was around the same time as when you brought your podcast out.
1: <laughs> you were playing on your railway set,
5: what? you What? Oh, did you bring you... it out stage by stage, sir?
6: Hey. You,
2: you, you were building your epic train set in your loft, Trev. That's what you were doing at the time. That's why you missed it. You, yeah. you were up there with your scale models building your very own train set, having took inspiration from my piddling train set, so to
1: speak. meanwhile i was looking i actually was looking at uh tire compounds for monte carlo and i did talk to some very big hitters when that came around i thought desbury you're gonna have to find out the facts behind this before you turn it into fiction Um, (laughs) and they did the big hitters did oblige with some very good information right
2: can we can we focus on arctic rally boys we've got we've got 10 minutes now and i want to i want to talk about arctic rally obviously uh, it's been brought in as a replacement for Sweden, Jack. We, we, you know, I watched, I watched some of the footage, some of the testing footage. We got proper snow there. There's some concerns. I read great article as ever with, with, with David Evans. But you know, is this going to be the fastest rally? Is Chris Meek's record going to be um, broken with regards to I think the the, the the fastest time and stuff like that? I don't know whether you've had a chance to look at any of the preview. Uh, have you got? Have you, Is it a bit of fever now, Jack? Have you allowed yourself a bit of fever back for WRC?
3: Yeah, always, um, especially for, for snow events. I think if we could have more of them, it, it, it would be great. And obviously we're, we're limited by climate and obviously we have the same, well, it feels like we've had the same debate over Sweden for the past three or four years as to you know, whether we're going to get snow or not and if there's going to be any. And uh, it doesn't look like that's going to be a problem for, for this event. So really looking forward to a, a proper snow event that looks like it will be at least up there with the fastest events in, in, in WRC history, which would be fantastic to watch. Also, I think, you know, we've got a real strong, lineup of drivers um, you know it's really nice to see um, you know even people like Robin Perra getting an extra you know with a full year under his belt now in a, in a WRC car and we know how good he can be on on slash. not
2: so. it last year mate
3: indeed so yeah. you know we, we've seen how good he can be on snow and, and how many years he's been he's probably been on competing on, on snow longer than he's been competing on any of the surface when you when you think about it really some of the championships that he's been competing in half lives and stuff like that in in the past so yeah he's uh he's he's someone to look for but yeah just just um you know the the lineup is is brilliant but people you know getting a little bit more experience like robin Perry now just uh, adds that a little bit more to it and you know we know the the driving talent is going to be there and it's going to be really nice to see them you know with a proper snow event in front of them and see what they can do.
2: Right. Um obviously you're you're my go to for, for snow driving. Why wouldn't it, why wouldn't you be? Because you, you the only thing you plug is, is basically the fact that you show off in Porsches. Uh, and you and and you've got a Subaru and you've got an Evo. Um and he's quite good in the dry
3: as well, in fairness.
2: Yeah, he is, he is. But uh genuine question, all joking aside, right um this may seem like a really stupid question, in fact, because it's coming from me, it probably is. How important genuinely on on an event which is so you know the reason why they've gone there there's so much snow and obviously with regards to road position
4: um uh, yeah well it obviously the, the looks like there's going to be quite a lot of snow on the road so so it, it's like an old-fashioned swedish rally isn't it where where road position was quite important particularly if there's fresh snow you don't want to be first on the road um and it is interesting these are all the conversations that, that were had around the Swedish rally, sort of. 20 years ago but recently the, the conditions have been so mixed that um, there's been a lot of gravel and and road position hasn't really come into play sometimes it's been better to be uh, to be first or second car on the road but there should be an element of cleaning this weekend um it's funny you know all this talk of a fantastic winter rally um i don't know if the weather just follows the wrc but i was actually looking at the weather forecast and and obviously there is this warm spell that we're having in the uk sweden's having it finland's having it and now even the uh, the arctic's having it because i see by sunday afternoon it'll be plus two and by monday it'll be plus four in Rovaniemi. so uh thankfully it looks like the the rally will have fantastic conditions and it will warm up just after but uh, it just shows nowhere's immune from uh, from strange weather nowadays
2: no absolutely not absolutely trev you did you did rally sweden back in pwrc didn't
5: you yeah yeah i've done it uh, three times i think uh, now yeah
2: okay again it, it might seem like a stupid question probably is coming from me but from when you're going out from a recce point of view is a snow rally more difficult from a recce point of view is, is writing good notes more difficult
5: uh, not necessarily. Not respect. It depends on the conditions on the rally. You know, I've spoken in the past about uh, it's a little bit more difficult to experience the road. So Sweden is, from what I can gather. Uh, it's it's a faster, more flowing rally than what they're going to experience this weekend. I think the first stage is quite fast, which they're only doing one on Friday. So the the road cleaning side of things is only uh, going to affect those people for one stage over thirty one k. Then it's repeated on Friday night. But uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a little bit rougher I think if you saw takamoto's uh, in car takamoto Katsutas in car which is fabulous by the way the other night I thought that was excellent um, but you'll see that it's quite violent in places even with the snow and the ice that's in there so those are things that people probably wouldn't uh, understand or experience but also when you're when you're trying to feel the road is maybe a little bit different on on snow and ice. Uh, as regards co-driving where well, you can't see out or you can't see much out through the windscreen of it uh, and crests and, and just little heights that the, the car is going to go light on but not take off on just feeling those and experiencing those is no, but the rest of it is no real difference really the biggest thing which you know, is going to affect Seb uh, Marshall is when you get in that car and he won't experience it until he gets in on shakedown so the first run shake shakedown yeah. is going to completely spin his head simply because your muscle memory and if you think of what your body knows what your mind knows about snow and ice and you struggle to get to the car because you can hardly walk on the snow and ice a lot of the time uh, you know, if you get out to have a quick pee before you get into the car for the shakedown and trying to get through the snow and ice to get into the car and of course his first run in this car is going to be absolutely flat out and your mind can't cope with it it literally goes a little bit dizzy it's the maddest feeling um, so that's, that's one thing that, uh, that he'll uh, experience in the first couple of runs do
2: you know, I'm just looking at the entry list. Um, I'm gonna, I'll am i bring you in in a second, John, but just quickly, right. I, I, I kind of forgot what it was like to see the Pirelli logo. So, dominant. Uh I'm using our friends uh, at EWRC's um, entry list and, and just looking at the the Pirelli logo. And it just got me thinking just for a second as well as, these two first events for Pirelli coming in, could they have been any tougher?
0: Uh
4: Uh, Yes. Uh, If if it was uh, about zero degrees all weekend and there was lots of gravel around, that would have been tougher for Pirelli this weekend. Um, You know, they know uh, winter rallies and and when you've got consistent conditions, it's obviously a lot more. um, It's a lot easier for the tyre manufacturer. If you've got gravel coming through and uh, and very soft surfaces, it's it's more difficult. So, yeah, like you said, very specialised events, but I think they'll be pleased that it looks like stable conditions this weekend and not a repeat of uh, the gravel stages that we've seen in Sweden over the last couple of years, which just you know wants to rip the studs out almost immediately. John, um,
2: yes. I, I'm going to ask your good self, obviously, you're, you, you, you're, you're, you're doing the coverage of it, obviously. Um, uh, when you get a rally that you've not perhaps covered before, what what what's the process for you personally when you, you you have to start you know the preparation and things like that is it is it a case of of of, of doing a bit of a google and looking at old images or old footage or you know yeah. do, do you try and get into that mindset?
1: Old footage, lots of YouTube uh, lots of internet to find out who's done what and where often you discover that in this situation you know where you've got one or two who have been in those have done the event before but then they've reversed the stages so then there's another variable uh they might have done it with different people in different cars uh you know experience on this one for a lot of the people in the field is low and in actual fact i was talking to steve kelly who produces with a half hour show with me for the world rally championship and we both agreed that this year about half the events are new to the current generation of drivers so whoever wins this year will really be the world's greatest driver not the one with the best memory um and (laughs) And in a way, you know, you know what they're all like with you know books of notes from previous years and videos from previous years. You really will have earned it this year because you're going to go on to Croatia next. Mm, never been there, never seen much of that. What's that sort of tarmac like? You know, Kenya will be new to a lot of them. Japan will be new to a lot of them. So this year really will be the world's greatest driver. Um, on the co-driving front, I always thought they could have got Santa Claus in because we're on his home patch here. And um, that's a trite way of saying this is a very important thing for that area of Finland, which would rely normally on a lot of tourism. And it's probably very glad that, you know, we're all turning up for this and then begs the question, what if this is a sensational event and is a bit like Estonia, which I loved, but some said was a bit boring because it was a bit too flat and fast and straight. But Estonia turned out a good rally because they stepped up and they've got themselves a contract. And they're going to be around for a few more years. What if Arctic turns out to be a great uh, event? What happens to Sweden and, you know, the iconic and best crest there is, Collins crest? It, that may not come to back to the championship for two or three years if the promoter decides the Arctic is the place to be. And as the point of Jack says, when was the last time this generation of drivers drove in consistent ice and consistent snow? You know, two or three inches of compact frozen ice at a minus 10 with snow banks and all the things that go with it, because Sweden last year was just a bit messy. And it 2016, didn't we cancel something like eight stages because the thing was a mess? Whereas this time, we've actually got genuine conditions. So there's so many variables. And that was why I was about to say, I want Oliver Solberg and Seb Marshall to win this. And you'd say, oh, come on, Seb Marshall stepping in for the Arctic, but I offer you Martin Wiedega on the Monte Carlo with Thierry Noble. I looked at him and thought, you know, like rather like Trevor says, his head's going to spin as soon as he gets in there. First corners, first time Thierry Neuville breaks on that first stage in Monte Carlo. Go forward to the uh, Sunday afternoon, there he was in the podium.
2: Yeah. Well, I, do you know what? I was I was gonna actually going to come to that, and I'll I'll stick with you first, John. and I'll speak to the others about it. That last minute substitution by Thierry Neuville. Um, it was. It felt kind of open ended, where you know perhaps it was only going to be you know a, a yeah. one off or a couple of events, and um, but you know nothing else seems to have been said about uh, no. about yeah. So uh,
1: you know, very secretive about that. I think the team did. Did they give it the the thumbs up and say you know it'll work? Um, but it did work. You know, it was incredible to think that he was a no-name who suddenly was on the podium next to Seb Auger, um quaffing champagne. Um, and these, these are the sorts of things that could be happening this year in that, you know, Seb has nothing to fear apart from fear itself, if I can throw that cliche in there, and actually probably not having known he was going to do it. He's not been lying awake in bed at night for weeks thinking, God, I've got to go and do this mad Arctic event. He's just got to go in and, you know, and get on with it. Um, but there are now so many variables in all of these that where do you go and where will I go in order to try and work out who might do best and how things will go in Croatia. There's there's so much newness and so much freshness coming back into the championship. Yeah, it's bad for, you know, Wales could be bad for Sweden, bad for New Zealand, desperately wanted to go there. Australia's not on the calendar at, at the moment. If all these new places work uh, with, you know, fresh ideas and fresh thinking, then um, in the long run, then it's possibly a good thing to have.
2: Absolutely. I want to come back to the, the, the calendar and stuff very, very briefly in a second, just conscious of time. But Jack, were you, obviously, I know you're a bit of a Teddy Neville fan. Um, were you surprised that, it, that they haven't kind of sorted things out and, you know, that Martin stayed in the car now or, or, over Nico? Or are you? do you think it's just this is the way it's going to be now and you don't see it going backwards?
3: I think this is the way it's going to be now. Uh, you know, whatever the reason was for the split, um, we had a bit of a conspiracy theory in the WRC Fantasy League um, with one of the teams called... I called him Terry. <laughs> which, is obvi- which is obviously a, a very a very satire look at things. Um, but yeah, I think the, the the way that split happened so close to the event, for me, it didn't look like it was going to be reconcilable in, in, at least in the near future. So, you know, wh- whether that was... Um, You know, however they ended, uh, you know, whatever terms they, they ended that relationship on before Monty, it was too close to the event for that not to be. You know, at least a little bit um, annoying for, for Hyundai and Thierry Neuville, um, and and maybe even for for Nico as well. But you know, I think it's just one of them situations. We probably won't hear the the full story of what really happened there for 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 a little while. But uh, you know, given how close that all happened to the event, you know, I didn't think there was going to be uh, 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 any recon- reconciliation there before before this event personally.
2: No, no. Um. Just quickly before we get our predictions for this coming weekend from from, from everybody, just John's just been talking about the calendar, Trev. Um, and yes, we've got fantastic new events and new ideas, which is something which I know you champion across the board on these things. But surely money talks as well. And while at the moment these events are coming to the rescue, um, when they do, you know perhaps when the championship doesn't need events to come to the rescue, then we're back in the realms of of dollars, euros. Pounds, sterling, goats, sheep, whatever it may be.
5: Yeah, there's a balance between appeal and also checks. You know, certainly there's events that come in and have got a a really healthy budget and they can contribute a lot. Promoter likes that. Uh, But there are other events that you'd want as part of the championship, including one in the UK. Uh, From our point of view, it'd be selfish of us. You know, we definitely want an event in the UK and we know that the best opportunity for that is a rally in Northern Ireland. And I have no doubt that the people of Northern Ireland will put on the best rally that we can. And on the back of that, then uh, hopefully that will secure a round in our part of the world going forward. But there's definitely a balance. It's not all about money. Uh, it's trying to get the Blue Ribbon events and uh, getting the championship going to those areas and regions where it's going kind to of have a big impact. And so, yeah, it, there is a balance. And I, I hear what you say uh, as regards to the like of Estonia. Uh, this Arctic rally in particular, I think Sweden have got a contract for 2022. So, um, But it's clear that they're not allowed to go back to But when it comes to the FIA and the promoter. Uh, so even though the Varmland region are probably one of the biggest contributors and uh, sponsors, if you like, of the rally, they're going to have to find a solution where they're going to have to go further enough to find the stages so we don't have the, the issues that they've had in the past. But I can't wait for this rally. I've, I'm probably more excited about this rally than any uh, over the last 10 years even. Uh, I even would have considered going to it. Uh, that's how, uh, how I, pleased that. I just love I just well, love winter rallies. They're absolutely brilliant.
2: Trev, as you're last speaking, the other boys, if you can have a think about your, not only your predictions, but also your any other businesses. Trev, as you were last to speak, and as you, you begin with the letter A, can I get your top three off you, please?
5: My top three? Okay. Yes. Uh, head the heart uh, ruling here. So I'm actually going to go for Elvin Evans. I think it's got to be a Toyota to win it, because clearly they've had Hannan light on the event earlier in the year. He would have been running them Pirelli's. Uh, and I want Elvin Evans to repeat what he did last year on the Winter Rally. Uh, it would make a lot of sense then to have Ogier behind him. Um, and I'm going to go for two one, two, three. I'm going to go Roven per third.
2: Right. Wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, I think you know who's coming next. Jack Bennion.
3: I'm going to go Robin Perra for the win not because he won it last year because he was the only proper WRC card doing it last year so he was he, he brought a gun to a knife fight there but I think uh, his experience on snow and the fact that he'll realise that this is probably the only rally he's you know, really got a very very good chance of, of winning this year outright or at least you know being one of the favourites for so I think he's going to win um, I'm going to go Elvin Evans second and Thierry Neuville third Ooh,
2: Okay
4: Ryan Champion uh, well, I'm going to agree with Jack Benyon for the win. I'm also going to go for Cali Rovenpera because he's going to win sooner or later. Um, that that first win is going to happen. It's likely to happen this year. If it's going to happen this year, which is his, his um best opportunity. I mean, we, again, we talked about uh, this being maybe more of an old fashioned winter rally, proper conditions. Remember, in proper conditions, the teams always brought in specialist drivers. Um, there was there was a lot of good drivers. Uh, that, Thomas uh, Radstrom, where are yeah, you? Where are exactly. you now?
2: Come on, Tommy Radstrom. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh,
4: you know, and using snowbanks and uh, and just managing things a little bit differently to to maybe what we've seen on the Swedish Rally over the last couple of years. So, Kelly Robin Perra has grown up with this. Um, Toyota have tested and tested in these conditions, so I'm going Robin Perra for the win. Uh, and I, I, you know, one, two, three, sounds it all sounds a little bit too simplistic there. But uh, which Toyota do you keep off the podium? That's the difficult bit. Um, So I'm going to say Kali Robbenpera for the win. I'm going to go Elvin Evans second. And then third, will they do a one, two, three? will a a Tanak sneak in there? I don't know. I'm going to go Orjir third. Okay, JD.
1: Yeah, well, thanks, fellas. (laughs) (laughs) Very kind of you. So here we go. This will be called the Don't Forget Your Shovel Rally. Um and Perra, great young gun of the World Rally Championship, will need a good start. And will have to deal with the pressure of being the favorite and have all of us mugs saying to him, Hey, you're the favourite for this rally, you're gonna win, which I think might play with his head. Trevor Agnew will have a a thought about that. But he won't appear on the podium, fellas, because the event will be won. I'll have to run another gun. (laughs) Another young gun. Who will have Yorkshire's finest co-driving. With 137 starts so far, it will be Solberg and Marshall that win this event. Followed by Oytanek simply because he needs points and would has buy them from somewhere if he can't win them. Perhaps Thierry Neuville because he's done well in the snow with Elvin Evans in third. Where is Seb Ogier, the man who I am sure is a nailed on at least five to one favourite for the championship this year? Seb doesn't need to do too well here. He can settle for, you know, a few points and a win in the power stage. That'll do him. So I go Solberg, Tanak, Evans. Take that for giving wow. me the last pick.
2: Wow. And you know when I said JD, I went for your initials as opposed to what you've been drinking? <laughs> 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 or a <laughs> <But> Coke. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put mine on the table, so to speak. So I'm going to go, I'm actually going to go uh, Sebastian Ogier, Callie Rovenperer and, and Elvin Evans. Oh. There you go. Um, Aaron Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I'm, 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 I, listen, I can back it all up with, with facts if I could bother finding them. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't. So there you go. Um, has everybody got any other business? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I've got an angry short. Any other business? Should I do mine first? Yeah. Okay. My, my angry short, any other business, whoever thinks it's acceptable to put um, rally accident photographs on that have involved anybody being seriously hurt or worse on Facebook pages, etc., needs to be hunted down and had basically shot because oh, it's not acceptable. Absolutely not acceptable. And I find it so upsetting that the sensationalism and trying to do that and trying to be the person that put put a picture up. I've seen one from a few years ago now uh that was only put up the other day why what what are we trying to do here people come on get a grip seriously get a grip it's not acceptable it's a given it's a given yeah so i just never want to see that again it really really it pissed me off like you wouldn't believe as you probably figured out already but so distasteful um and not in the spirit of of all the people we know in rallying we're all we're all connected in various ways whether it's through competing or whatever it may be we are all connected the degrees of separation in rallying to me personally anyway is so tight and you know we all know each other we all we've all got mutual friends and things like that just so 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 upsetting and annoying um that somebody who is a rally fan or whatever it may be thinks it's good to be the person to put a picture up that maybe you've not seen before of a fatal. No, it's not piss poor. There you go. Mine's deadly serious. Um, if you've got some levity boys to, 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 to lighten the shade as it were, um, Jack banging.
3: Uh, I've got a fairly, it's not angry. It's, it's, it's playful, I guess. Um, But I was just interested if any of you guys saw any criticism of Adrian Formo as he announced that he was going to have uh, Red Bull back in this week. Did anyone see any criticism online or or anything like that? No,
2: I thought it was real positive to be fair. I haven't seen anything negative on that. and,
3: and, And you'd be right as well. Um... And the only reason I raise it is because I uh, had a little look at his livery and it's covered in Yakko, and, which is mega, by the way. Don't we just love a Yakko Escort Cosworth? Oh, jeez.
2: I had, I had Yakko on my Fiesta ST in 2013. There you go. Unknown mega. fact. But did you mega. find a sticker? Uh, <laughs> I, yes, I did. I was given a load of products. So, oh. yeah, just, yeah, just piss on me bonfire, Ryan Champion. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you've done him dirty there champion
2: yeah
4: I've, that was, your, I was oh, no, novel, you
2: got the products.
4: that's fair enough if you got free products
2: yeah <laughs> anyway sorry Jack Benyon it's, it's alright really right. uh,
3: uh, I have no criticism of Agent Formo former because I've been very impressed with what I've seen you know behind the wheel so far and, and what he's been able to achieve but I looked at his livery and it's covered in Yakko and FFSA and now he's going to have Red Bull all, all over the bonnet so that, uh, that I had a little thought in my head hmm I'm going to go and have a look on the internet and I had a look at Gus Greensmith's car from Carlo and you know, well known pay driver Gus Greensmith, who doesn't deserve his WRC seat because he's paying for it, is in a total M Sport livery with apparently only some tiny logos that appear to be some of his backing. And the rest of it is just a, a standard M Sport livery. So, I just thought I'd raise that and thought it was quite a, an interesting thing that you know Adrian's car is, is covered in covered in sponsors and he's a promising young talent. And you know apparently Gus is in an M Sport livery and is 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 a pay driver. It just so, really me. So, so, so and, so and by the way, I was being sarcastic. That, I know, I know. I'm
2: so, I, I, and I was just going to be equally sarcastic back and say, so you're saying that Red Bull's put money in? No. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Trevor Agnew, come on could bring, bring bring some light to this shade
5: I'll bring some controversy oh here we
2: go Do you know what I was looking for a bit of daylight and fall
5: fall apart. Oh, no no this is a good one though okay go on, mate. 13 13 world rally cars I think in uh the Arctic rally Finland uh, I'm going to predict bold prediction here that there'll be a rally two car in the top five <laughs> love it love why it. am I saying that simply because there's no species this year. Uh, anybody who's been on that rally knows that the snow banks can be, uh, let's say, they can sucker you in on the odd occasion. And of course, if you go off and there's no speckies to help you dig the thing out, you're stuck and you're going to be uh out for the day you could be back in the holiday that's just yeah. that part of it of course there are going to be other technical issues with cars cars are going to scoop up snow into the, the rads and they're going to slow down and have to get out and clear all of that out uh, if you get somebody who's got a clean run some of the locals have got a clean run in a rally two car i reckon they're going to be very strong in the top 10 and even as high as fifth what do you think of that i think that's
3: brilliant I think it's a great shout, especially when you look at the fact that there's two WRC overall event winners in the R5 class this weekend. It's uh, it's phenomenal, hey, that, actually. I
2: definitely that's, recommend. That's why Andreas Mikkelsen is in my fantasy team this weekend.
5: <laughs> there you go.
2: See, you mocked me. You mocked me before, boys. There
5: well, all we, all we have to do is copy your team and you'll pass us. So it's stupid to tell us, isn't it? <laughs>
4: Uh, Ryan, have you got have you got some levity for us? Uh, well, a couple of things. I mean, as uh, as Trevor's just said, I mean, an incredible entry in uh, in Rally Two. Should we give it its proper
3: name? No, Thirty Seven.
4: I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. Anyway, yes, you are le- trying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's nearly forty cars, and is a, a mega entry. But uh, yeah, uh, just to reflect on uh, on my prediction of, of uh, Cali Robin Parrot taking the win. Uh, this weekend is just over 20 years since his dad took his World Championship win, which was Rally Sweden 2001. So, um, wow. you know, there's there's good omens there. Uh, and to reflect on John Desborough's pick, it is 22 years this weekend since Petter Solberg started his first rally as a factory driver in Kenya, of course. Wow.
1: cool. With, about- none,
2: other, with none other alongside him than one of Trev's latest guests, Fred
4: Gallagher. Wow. There you go. And, and following on from, uh, from um, all these conspiracy stories about what happened to Thomas Radstrom, who you just mentioned, during the recce. Um, I don't I remember that, and I can't remember it
2: now. Anyway.
5: <clears throat> and just to clear up something as well, Fred Gallagher didn't star in Shameless. Somebody asked me that
2: question. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, good with that <laughs> <laughs> John Desbret you are you are without doubt not going to bring dark and shade to our any other business you are going to bring un, undoubted levity aren't you
1: Well I'll give it a go um you, my go, friend let's go back to Ireland with two quick points as Chris Meek once said to me this is this is on the address Can you just remind me
4: where Chris
2: Meek is where, from Where is he from John,
1: John? Where is he, he from Yeah, yeah. Very well where he's from, he's Wait, from... John, <laughs> tell, her, tell us where he's from, John, come on. It's from Dungannon. The good lad. He's one oh, of the know, finest. Brown and the United Kingdom. Do you, do you yeah. know what... Um, you, as Chris Meek once said to me, John, the WRC is not a meritocracy. Which I thought was very good. We have to remember what? a lot of people there with wallets who perhaps don't deserve it. As well
5: seen he, he went to the Royal School in Dungannon as well.
1: <laughs> please forgive me. Craig Breen, who beat the Vikings the last time we were in Sweden. When was that? Not last time, 2019. He beat Mikkelsen and Mads Osberg with a second place for Hyundai. So, Craig, please continue to talk to me um, and forgive me for not putting you in the one, two, three.
2: Thank you for your any other business, John. When we asked you where Chris was from then, that had everything all about it. I don't know you remember this, the last royal wedding, right? And I'm going off on a tangent, but stay with me. The last yeah, royal I, wedding, um, there was a tweet that went out, supposedly from, um, who was the guy who sang, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice day for a white wedding?
1: Oh, Billy, uh, Billy Idle. Idol. Billy, yeah.
2: Idol. Uh, Billy Idol tweeted the royal couple saying, have a lovely day. And everybody just tweeted them back saying, just say the line, Billy, just say the line. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was one of those moments was <laughs>
5: this we Denise just... Royal, Marion Dave then uh, no, <laughs> no. Right. a different no. ride
1: yeah, that was part of the Chris Meek wind up for five events. That was, uh, Jude Importable will tell you, I, I gagged him for the last kilometre of those five events when Chris Meek won because, uh, we, we got into a routine of who would speak and when. And I would have to gag the little fella so that I got at least the last, at least the last kilometre so that I could get all that out. They said he couldn't do it. <laughs> Etc. Etc. So that's when all Jen the gentlemen. Left- that
2: so. that is the end of our half hour first section, which is no doubt now fifty minutes. Um, so yeah, this is now probably one of the longest podcasts that we'll put out. But hey, quality seems, and quantity seems to be the done thing now. Um, but but there you go. So uh, thank you, uh, John Desborough, for joining us. We uh, will we'll see you very soon, Jack Benyon.
4: Thank you, uh, Ryan Champion. A pleasure to be on with all these illustrious guests, Sh- Trevor Agnew.
5: Yeah, anytime. Yeah, I know. That's
2: what they say about you, Shrev. <laughs> what they say about you. Um, for... <laughs> folks you know what i've really enjoyed this probably enjoyed it more than probably your you have listening to it but still listen there's a fantastic next section of the podcast coming up we've got as i say uh we've got martin brady coming up who who talks to us about the drift rally and also how he how to put a rally on in three weeks which is a great story in itself which happened over in the american rally championship last year and we've got elliot Edmondson, who's of course sat alongside gus greensmith for the last couple of years talking about preparation they just done the test as well um for this coming weekend so yeah Uh, more to come stay tuned we'll be back after this break
4: this is Absolute Rally
1: Absolute Rally continues to be partnered by the Kielder Works team who remain fully committed to the sport and are pioneers of the latest technology Kielder cordless tools are tailored for all forms of competitive action
6: go back to the future
0: with the Kielder Works team
2: Welcome back to the next section of Absolute Rally. Absolute nonsense at the top of the podcast. Thanks to the boys for joining us. We thought we'd get a little bit of, little bit of serenity, a little bit of sensible kind of, you know, a, a man who's who's very grounded, as all co- good co-drivers are. Um, Martin Brady, welcome back to Absolute Rally. It's been forever. I hope you're well and safe.
0: Thank you, Tony. I can't remember when I was last chatting to you um, live, but. I do remember we had good chat and we good fun, so happy to do it again. Thanks for having me. no, no,
2: no, good on you, good on you. Look, you're one of the uh, we are one of the few guys at the moment that's kind of. I suppose you you've been out in the states for quite some time. I wanted to speak to somebody about obviously first about the snowdrift rally, but obviously the the, the 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 it seems to be getting some momentum going again over in the states. Um, obviously we know fish has come on board, but this has been this has been coming obviously. You know, Subaru have been a constant there, and now obviously you've you've had Barry McKenna as well, which I know you're involved on the coordination side there. But just just how is rallying kind of um, grown, I suppose, over the last few years? Because it seems to have got a lot more professional there, I say, and I might get shot down in flames here from our American listeners, but it seems to have got a lot more professional.
0: Well, Tony, from from my eyes, it's, it's, there's always been a level of professionalism over here, and um, ARA have ran the championship well and I think like everything they're improving every year and th- they're trying to improve every year there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes and um, with organisers, committees and things like that that they're, they're they're definitely looking forward and looking to to, to make the championship better and I think in, incrementally it's, it's, it's happening but I think it started from a good base because there's fantastic roads over here very enthusiastic people that want to make it happen And obviously, because of other things that are happening in the world now, um, we're fortunate to have a rally championship in the U.S. Difficult to organize in these times, but testament to the people that have made it happen and are making it happen. And because of that, because there's little or less rallying going on in in other jurisdictions and in other codes, now there's maybe a spotlight being shined on American rallying because people are looking for something to be entertained by and, and looked at. And that's why we're... Here, you know, the American Championships popping up in people's minds perhaps more than it has. And of course, you do have the, the big teams at the front. You have Subaru with, you know, fantastic looking cars that look the part, sound the part, go well, you know, proper works team. And two real superstar drivers and Travis Pastrana, who needs no mention to anybody inside or outside of America. And then um, Brandon Semenuk who's a big star here in North America because of his um, BMX exploits not so much well known for his rallying but that's going to change pretty soon because that guy is fast and he's only going to get faster then you have the likes of Barney McKenna who's a, built up a fantastic team in a very short period of time got his first championship last year and I'm certain it won't be his last that he's chasing glory again and he's determined enough and good enough to get it again. He you know, he's gonna give Subaru a race this year, no doubt about it. Then you know, there's talk of Ken's gonna come back and Ken will be back for Hundred Acre Wood, maybe possibly perhaps, and Ken what he's gonna come in. There's all sorts of, you know, theories and excitements about what he's coming in. I think it'll be something good. It always is. So he won't be far off the mix in whatever Eight, three pedals and steering wheel he, he brings to the start line and then there's there's plenty of other people just right on the cusp behind in the plethora of r5s that we have here now so the championship's growing do you think
2: um i think everybody got a little bit giddy because obviously you know ken made the announcements obviously he's he kind of had a partner of the ways in the best possible way we'd put for performance and there was a you know a few things alluded to about some of his old cars. Obviously, I think there's some images of the old Subarus and stuff like that. Do you think Do you think everybody's getting a bit giddy? Do you think he, he, he could be back in a Subaru? Do you think that's where it's going to go?
0: <laughs> Depends, Tony. What odds would you give me if I was a betting man?
2: But <laughs> I'm not good with stuff like that.
0: <laughs> I would say no. I can't see that. I mean, I can't draw a line between those two theories. Um, yeah. I'd imagine something else. I know he had... You know, a longer time, a good time with Subaru. What I would say, a longer time associated with Ford, uh, probably part of their family. Longer, I think the the Subaru table is full at the moment. I can see Ken going in a different direction and bringing something, something exciting to to the next rally. If if indeed he turns up to the next one, we it's it's all it's all rumor and conjecture at the moment, but. I think if he does, or when he does, he'll inject more excitement into it and, and more pace and will only push the battle further on that at the minute will exist between between Barry and uh, Subaru. And of course, you know, Barry has made small comments about what he's bringing to 100-acre wood. We know it's not going to be an R5 car. Um, it's going to be an open-class car. And I think that's going to be something good and exciting. And hopefully, you know, he'll he's going to take the battle to... Um, to Subaru in Hundred Acre Wood and and be top step of the podium again as as he was in in Hundred where he got his first victory in Hundred Acre Wood. Rally suits him. He likes it. I think that's that's going to be good. And then look I, as I say, if any of these guys falter, there's more and more R fives appearing here now with with good drivers in them that it's not beyond the bounds of possibility that a, a you know an R five driver can if uh, the Subaru guys are Barry have as much as a sneeze or a puncture. There's plenty there waiting to, to pounce. Do
2: you think? And I, and I know, obviously, this would this would obviously take take out the the Subaru team as well. Do you think? Do you think they'll ever adopt FIA classes over there? Do you think you know we'll ever have? Because obviously, you know, they run an R five, so they'll probably run you know a bigger restricted or whatever. Do you think we'll ever see a situation where they'll run off you know FIA
0: classes? We have it here right now because okay. the, the, the R5 cars are, well, that's for, for us guys that we're old enough to remember, Tony, when R5 started and they were new and shiny, as it's now called the RC, RC2 class, I believe, if I'm, if I'm saying that correctly, I believe I am, um, that's the class that the R5s run to here, so it's the proper FIA homologation Um that's the papers you've got to run to eat. Right, you okay. can, when did that change, Mark? Because that must be recently uh, Last thing. season. Yeah, last okay. season. And again that was something that McKenna Motorsport were involved in the discussions of at the start. Um, when it was when ARA brought it into the championship, but as I as I said before, ARA are looking to improve things, and that was something that was identified that we you know we can have our five cars here, we can have a class for the middle grow of sport, it's a class that can grow, that can step in behind the open class, and, and that's what's happened. And technically, if, if you actually look at the, the the class regulations, you could have a Super 2000 car here, um, and you could have the um, what were the 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 R4s, so you could have an R4 car here either if, if you so desired. The rules are open that they would go in, they, they'd enter into that, that same class. You Okay, you, you turn up here in, a say, a Super 2000 Fabia, for example, you would be racing the R5s in that class. If you turn up in a, an R4 Mitsubishi or Subaru, you'd be in that class as well. So nobody has done it because, you know, the focus is on the R5 slash RC2 cars. Um, but it, yeah, it's it's there. It could happen in the morning, and um, similarly, or two cars are are in the the uh, what's called the open two wheel drive here. You've you've two, which is quite fair. You've two steps of of four of two wheel drive, I should say. Like uh, the or two cars are in the more open class, and then the lower ones you can turn up with a Fiesta with a H pattern box, etc., etc., etc. Sort of a. An R1 or a step above an R1 class and there's, there's a place for you there in, in the two wheel drive that it's, it's split. It's, it's, it's quite fair. So it gives, it gives you both options or then you can just go completely nuts like we have done and get a Mark II Escort, make it wider and <laughs> stick a V6 Mustang in the front of it. So yeah, why, there's why all options. You, why, 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 why wouldn't you, Mark? Why wouldn't you? Well, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's, it's, um, I think it's bad for, bad for your hearing. That's the only reason you maybe (laughs) wouldn't, but you definitely do it for fun because I know I've seen. As loud as the, the escort that we sit in over, and I sit in over here with Seamus. As loud as it is from the inside, and it's it's quite loud. But from the outside, I've seen videos, very funny videos for spectators, and you know, he's he's coming now, and oh, he's coming, he's coming, now, and we're still a quarter of a mile away. And the, the video is 45 seconds, <laughs> I and mean, you see us for three more seconds, and we're gone. So, but yeah, the Americans love that. It's it's something that you probably couldn't. It, to me, it harks back a bit. or reminds me of again, we're getting way back in history here now, Tony, back to the Andy Burton 306 because it's a car that no matter how fast it's going or what we're doing and you hear it coming and you love it because it's, it's noisy and it's exciting because of that it's it's something that so many people come up to me and say they, they loved seeing us and they loved hearing us and you know they'll say where did you see it? such and such a junction and me with the co-driver's mind is thinking, when I asked that here and we were a bit slow around or a bit wide <laughs> or a bit this I'm thinking that yeah we weren't actually that fast but they think we were because we were fully sideways and, and things screaming it committed. committed yeah
2: but yeah. out of the mark too. this, this last weekend on Snowdrift back in the Evo um, yeah. uh, what what was the thinking behind the switch back to the Evo because it, is, it is it a stupid question bearing in mind that it's a snow rally with no snow tyres
0: <laughs> no no such thing as stupid questions Tony just stupid answers and our stupid answer is that the um, the Escort needed a bit of work at the end of last season we were finding we had some not reliability issues is, is wrong but we had some set of issues that we had to fix we were struggling um, with steering and suspension, and there needed to be a change. So, that the end of the season was quite short. You know, we finished in November and we were starting again in February. So, it was put one side and it's been worked on. And hopefully, we'll be ready for 100 Acre Wood with some upgrades. And then the chessboard moved a little bit in the Burke House in that uh, Santa Claus bought an R5. So, Shim's son took that to Snowdrift, which meant he stepped out of what was the family Evo. And then it was, well, the Evo's there. We can take it to Snowdrift. Why would I mean I wanted to go to Snowdrift in the Mark too. I thought that would have been fantastic fun. But that would maybe be from my side of the curve, maybe be twice the amount of driving for Seamus and we do twice the stage miles because we'd be both sides of the road everywhere. So yeah, let's go let's go on the let's go on the Evo and see how we go. And that Evo is I would say sort of not a WRC replica, a WRC homage, because at a certain things like the WRC car would have, but it's still a regular EVO Group A, B thirteen, plus twenty, whatever you want to call it, engine and so on. It looks great because it has the wider wings and the WRC style rear spoiler, all that stuff. But it's it's still a sort of a, as UK viewers would know, a B thirteen or Irish guys Class twenty, that's sort of an Evo. But it served as well in Snowdrift. It drove fine, you know, it was the right tool for the right job because We were never, we finished fourth, um, which was, for us, very good. We were never going to beat Barry in his car. We were never going to beat the Subarus, so fourth is the next place you're going to slot in. We did it by, um, I mean, Seamus has done snowdrift so many times. I've done it a lot of times. I've been fortunate enough to be leading it, unfortunate enough to end up stuck in the snow with very little damage, but properly stuck, like we're talking needing two big American pickups to tow you out. And it happens so quickly. Um, so Seamus knows that. He's been here many years and also has led the rally and, and got into misfortune. So we went with the strategy of, you know, real safe tyre choice. Just real steady on the first loop. What, what, what is a safe
2: tyre choice? Because obviously you guys don't have studs. That's kind of well documented now. And it's it's mm-hmm. kind of like we cover old ground. But what what, what, is, what is a safe tyre choice? I'm fascinated by that. <laughs>
0: I don't even know if I can give you that answer in hindsight, okay. Tony, because we went to the first stage on a snow tire. Um, it's a Yokohama. I believe it's, it's, it's a road legal tire. It's not a rally tire as such. Uh, a tire called the AO34, which are their own version of gold dust now because they're no longer produced. So if you have a supply of them from many years ago, you, you, you mine them. And um, Tim has had some of those on his tire rack, and we went with those on the first loop. And we use them. They're more a tire for snow than ice, and we use them again on the second loop. Which, I mean, it's it's. We sat down. We tried to analyze this, wondering, you know, learn from it. Did we use the right tire or not? Because the other option then is, uh, because studs are off the table. The other option is what's called a tractionized recipe tire. Which again, you get a, a road legal tire, and you put it on some sort of torture machine called a tractionizing device, which is like a rolling road style thing. With little uh, spikes on it, and you drive the car in the workshop on the jack stands on this each wheel on, on one of these tractionizing things, and it, it it breaks up the top of the tire block and turns it into what I can best describe like a, you know a, an art paintbrush you would have in school turns the top of the tire into something like that, so that when you hit ice, it that the, the that uh, surface of the tire is now splaying out of the ice and giving you giving you more grip. But what worked for us was on the second, what you find is the road will polish where people are breaking, but even more so it will polish on the exit of the corner where they're fighting for traction and digging away the snow and just polishing the ice. So that works well in the places where it's polished. We worked a lot on the stages, changing the notes to where the ice was and also places where people were hitting snowbanks because as the more people hit the snowbank, the softer it gets. So you find that if you hit it, on the first pass, it'll bounce you back out. But you hit it on the third pass when maybe 70 cars have been in there. It's now soft and it wants to keep you in there. So we worked on the place where, you know, don't hit the snow banks, where it was icy in the exit of corners so that we could, not that, not that we could go any faster, but that we could go safer. We knew where to be cautious. And it, it, it it's, was the right strategy in hindsight because on the last loop, we, we jumped up, you know, spaces and places when other people had trouble and spins and so on we didn't we kept our nose clean and that's how we we let the rally come to us and we earned a result that way
2: um good man well done i think uh do you know what i wanted to obviously i wanted to touch base with you on snowdrift anyway but i I seen something pop up and i can't even remember how long ago it was but um about a new event which you're now involved in which is rally new york have i given it its current title
0: Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah, running New York. So that was another thing that was born out of McKenna Motorsport and their determination. It's within that team to, you know, to, to make things happen. And um, so last year, been been a different year, than it was, um, we had uh, some rallies cancelled and even some rounds of the championship cancelled. And uh, I had, I was over here for the Ojibwe Rally, and you know, I was having a conversation with Barry about how. One of the rallies being cancelled was going to affect the, the championship um, from a points scoring opportunity point of view. And then the conversation turned into, well, you know, maybe that will run a rally that weekend. Or we'll run a rally that can replace it. And I thought, OK, right. Yeah, it's possible. When will we do it? And his answer was, well, what about in this state, which was three weeks time from that? So, hmm, right, OK, it's maybe less possible. But you never say that to, to Barry McKenna or even anyone in McKenna Motorsport. Um, the, the plans just took legs and, and started to run very quickly. Um, there was an opportunity to use a forest in uh, upstate New York. Well, I say upstate about an hour and a half from downtown New York, as we all know it from seeing it on the TV. But there's a, there's a lot of New York up above that and a lot of forests. And there was a privately owned forest up there that there was the ability to, you know, in and, and, and rent and use and we found four good stages I and mean, your rallies have ran in the forest in the past but we picked out four stages uh, barry used some of his resources and, and skills and abilities from his construction business to repair some of the stages that otherwise wouldn't have been passable and um with the help of ara helping us fast track you know regs and permits and that sort of thing very quickly we we had a rally it was uh, myself um working from home I was back in Ireland uh, working with a guy um, Sean Hassett in in Ireland who was a fantastic help Um, I put together the road books and the stuff and he made them look good and we had Leon who's Barry's regular co-driver in the US over doing stuff on the ground in in New York And between the three of us and and other people on the outside helping we had a rally in a couple of weeks and we ran it on the 17th of October and uh, Freddie Millen won the rally and won it quite well um, in one of the McKenna Motorsport Hired R5s, uh, Barry did the rally himself, Barry McKenna, in his, what we call the big car, the WRC-style Fiesta. Uh, but he socially distanced himself from the results at the end by not handing in his time card because he was there just for an exhibition run and just for fun and wanted the, the battle for the win to be somewhere somewhere else. And So we did We started, I think. Funny it's, it's that long ago. I've almost forgotten last year's event because we're concentrating on the twenty twenty one event which will happen in October again. Um we started over well, we had we had a reserve list um within just over twenty four hours of opening the entry list. So we we started just over fifty cars and uh, I'd hope that we can hope we showed that we could put on a good rally and we can we can do it again um in this year in the twenty twenty one season and it will be a round of what's called a regional championship over here. So, um, I think that'll that'll give it a boost. That'll give it a lift. There'll be people want to come and do it for that reason alone. But I think anyone else that's not part of that regional championship will want to come and see what don't we ch- can improve on last year.
2: Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. <laughs>
0: that great, Tony. Listen, I will guarantee you an entry. No problem. <laughs> I can't. I can't promise you number one on the door, but I'll see what I can do for number two on the door. Good luck. We have to give lad. number one probably to Freddie Millen. So, unless <laughs> you know, we'll see. We'll work something out, Tony. Good I can lad. be bribed
2: Good man. All right, listen, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for checking in with us uh, from Snowdraft. And uh, as I say, we will stay in touch, mate, because we are keeping a keen eye on things over there in the states at the moment. So, um, mate, stay safe, stay well, and we'll catch up very soon.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Tony. Thank
2: you. We're back after this break with Elliot Edmondson.
1: Hi everyone, this is John Desborough, commentator and presenter on the World Rally Championship. I'm hoping you've seen my debut novel, Breaking Point. If you haven't, check it out on eBay. It's a roller coaster ride of deceit and blackmail from a golden age of the WRC. And like a good rally, it starts fast and gets faster. Breaking Point, by me, John Desborough, on eBay, now for 7 dollars 99 Welcome back to the final
2: section of Absolute Rally with a man I had no idea he'd never been on this podcast before. What's really embarrassing is out of all the people who've probably been on that are co-drivers, he probably should have been close up to top of the list because he's one of the few people who nearly co-drove for me once in an early life, but never quite got there in the end. Elliot Edmondson, now of course, WRC star alongside Gus Greensmith and the M-Sport WRC team. Welcome to Absolute Rally.
6: Pleasure, pleasure to be on. Thanks very much for having me. Better late than never,
2: I guess. Well, you know, that, that, that's, that, that's just cut to the chase here. First attempt at doing this, you just put the phone down on me. So, you know, I didn't <laughs> there's know whether, no, There's no hiding
6: that.
2: I didn't, know whether, I didn't know whether I had to go through your agents or whatever. I didn't know whether I got it wrong. You know, it's just... Just put me, couldn't believe it. But, um, no, technology led us both down. There you go. That's the story of my last week anyway. So listen, mate, um, you're, you're, you're over. This is obviously as we record this, this is Monday of rally week. Um, and not only is it rally week, it's a new rally, um, in every sense of the word for the WRC. So before we go all the way back to the beginning, so to, so to speak, how is a new rally week on the Monday of a rally week for a co-driver?
6: um it's a lot of things uh (laughs) exciting you know uh exciting uh nerve-wracking um you know a lot of a lot of a lot of different emotions but uh i mean the overriding one is exciting um you know it's been a long time since we've done a proper a proper snow rally like this is going to be and uh it's a whole new it's a whole new uh experience really for us uh we've never been up competing in this part of the world we've we've done a couple of tests up here uh gus and i in the in the past so we're not complete strangers to to this part of the world but it's going to be it's going to be a completely different uh different kettle of fish once we once we get going actually on the rally
2: last year was 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 difficult in the sense of you know it's such a fluid year last year and it was the first full year in in the wrc car was that Difficult because you really didn't know what events you were going to end up doing. Did that have any effect on you guys?
6: Uh, yeah, for sure it had an effect. Um, you know, when it's when it's, I suppose you can call it our big break. You know, the first full year in a in a WRC car, as you say, and and you don't even know what the next rally is going to be. Um, you know, you always want to feel like you're as prepared as you can be uh, for these rallies, and and for sure it, it did make it. More difficult when when we didn 't know when that next rally was going to be, or even where it was going to be, um, you know obviously by the end we were having new rallies in in places that we 'd never even been, so i mean it was it was perhaps a good thing because it it leveled the playing field you know we weren't we weren 't as far behind um, in terms of experience as we as we would have been you know when we 're going to rallies that no one 's been to before, um, but equally. It's it's you know you can't always prepare as as well as you want when when it's when you've no reference point you've nothing to nothing to look at from previous years you've nothing to you know you're starting from scratch you know you've got no previous pace notes or anything so um, so yeah there was there was positives and also negatives um, and uh, you know we're hopefully in a better situation this year but you know there are still some question marks um, but I mean obviously it's all moving moving ahead a lot better this year, so, so ready, to, ready to get stuck in.
2: Of course you are, of course you are. Obviously, as I say, we record this on the Monday. When does, when does shakedown and testing start for you? Uh,
6: so it's a, it's a slightly peculiar rally week, um, similar to Estonia last year. So it's actually quite, quite a condensed uh, itinerary, really. So we, we don't start wrecking, actually, until Wednesday. Um, and then we have shakedown Friday morning. And then the rally starts Friday afternoon. So it's actually quite a short gonna be sh- short and sharp. rally oh, right, week, really. Reminds um, me like
2: a just, BRC round or something that to be back in the day. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean?
6: Yeah, I, I know, I was saying that just yesterday. It really does uh, it feels it feels like being back on the BRC. Which is actually quite a nice quite a nice sort of um feeling really. the BRc. Yeah, I was going to say, do you
2: prefer that on. not being dragged out as opposed to being, you know, what I mean, because you kind of haven't got almost time to think about it. Have you? You just you, 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 once it starts, it doesn't really stop until it stops. If that makes sense.
6: Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, not not knocking the way that BRc rallies have been run, but um, you know, sometimes when you you've got your ceremonial will start and on your Thursday and perhaps a little spectator stage, which are all all have their purpose, of course, but. You know, sometimes it can feel like they are quite drawn out, but I mean, this one is going to be short and sharp. You know, as soon as we begin on on Friday afternoon, well, even Friday morning with Shakedown, it's going to be just full on, nonstop until the end of the rally. And uh, it's quite nice when it's like that. You know, you don't have the the big gaps in between of, of wondering what you're going to do next.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. I, I'm going to Elliot. I want to do something which which I, I always try and do because there's never rhyme or reason to these conversations when I speak to people, but. Um, I want to go because I've known you for such a long time. Um, obviously, you know I joked about it at the top. Obviously, you, you you did nearly sit with me at one point, which is nearly ten years ago, which is frightening when you think about it. All right. Uh, Gary, Gary. I know, I know. Okay. Well, how do you think I feel? You still looked exactly the same age as what you did then. I, I categorically don't. Okay, I quite categorically don't for lots for lots of reasons. But you you came you you came into rallying. And it was almost like a force of nature because very quickly you were doing a lot of rallies with lots of really experienced guys uh, in proper cars. I think that's the other thing as well. You know, it wasn't kind of playing; you, you you were straight into kind of world cars and stuff like that, and proper four wheel drive group end mm-hmm. cars. Where was the pivotal point for you? Do you think where you thought, okay, this is now more than a hobby; this is now a career? Where can you remember? Was there a specific point where you went right? Okay this is this has changed now
6: uh, correct well there is there is a pivotal point yeah um and i think about it quite a lot it was really um oh he's put me on the spot now i can't remember what year it was <laughs> it was either it was either 2013 or 2014 whichever year i started doing i started doing the msa asphalt championship with lots of drivers um and my, my rally career really sort of turned around within like the space of about six months. And it began with the Jim Clark rally with John injury, uh, in his Darian. And from there, I ended up sitting with four different drivers in that championship within the same, within six months. And I sat with John Stone, Graham coffee, and then ended up with Damien Cole. Um, and when I ended up getting a seat with Damien Cole, um, for me at the time, that was when I really started thinking, do you know what, I could actually, I could try and make this a career. Because at the time, I was, I was, replacing, um, uh, I was replacing James Morgan, who had since gone on to sit with like, Sander Pan, who I think he was with at the time. And I saw his progression from sitting with Damien, and I thought, know, yeah, I could probably try and do the same. Uh, Damien was really good for stuff like that. You know, he was really good at taking on young co-drivers and you know throw, throwing them straight in at the fastest level of, of national rallying at the time. And for me, getting that seat was was a, it opened a completely new world to me. Um, and then it was actually through that seat that I then got my first professional, you could say, um, gig, which was when I uh, got the seat with Niall McShay. In China, doing the Chinese Rally Championship with Skoda Red Bull, and and that was my first proper like professional, you know. That's when it actually sort of became a bit of a job for me. Um, and that was all still within, within well, a year I suppose of that of, of sitting with John Injury, um, and just in that one year, just everything completely just went went crazy. Really, I was rallying almost every weekend. Um, and I'd gone from doing, you know, national rallies to competing. I don't think I could have competed much further away if I'd tried um, up in like the desert in, in China. And, uh, and so, yes, yeah, for me, that was really the, the, the turning point when I thought, you know, I could actually make, make a career out of this. Unfortunately, um, the, the momentum never really slowed down after that. And, you know, there's a lot of luck involved. You know, I was in the right place at the right time as, you know, I mean, that's, huge part of this sport you know as, as, as I'm sure you'll know um, yeah there's a there's a huge bit of luck to luck to to play in it but um, but no I'd say I'd say it's a very long answer for your question but no <laughs> say, listen, there's say no say there's that, no uh, listen the, uh, <laughs> there's no time there's no time that was the turning point anyway
2: it's interesting because I kind of I, I'm glad you mentioned the one with Niall because like I, I know Niall hmm. and I can remember you getting the seat with him Uh, and obviously joking aside I was very aware of you obviously because we'd spoken stuff and and then obviously I'd seen what you'd done thereafter but and I know, obviously, you know, I know what Damien had done over here in the UK with regards to giving young co-drivers. But um, I think it's always interesting to see the next move, as you say, you know, obviously what James did and then obviously what you did thereafter, sitting with him, so to speak. Um, and I thought the next step is always the most interesting one um, of, of realistically what's going to happen. So when I see you get the Chinese gig and I know it can be tough out there as well. And now I'm going to come to that in a second. Uh, I thought, OK, yeah, this is. This is going to be great because I've seen people sink when they've gone to that level as well, quite quickly. Um, yeah. you know, there's, there's no point of reference. You know, um, you're going in with a very, very experienced, quick, quick driver as well in a completely different country where the regulations are in a completely different language. Da, 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 da. So when you look back now, cause that's, that's a mighty, you know, seven years ago. I've got socks older than that. Um, <coughs> When you think about it from seven years ago, how important was China, the experience, not just sitting with Nile, but where you are today, of being thrown into that world where you know English is the second language, um, you, you're running as a teammate, obviously to a Chinese team as well. Just how big a difference to your world, your rally world, rather, was that compared to what you'd seen?
6: I mean, it was a brand new world. <laughs> it couldn't have been. It couldn't have been more eye-opening um, than 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 anything. You know, um, no disrespect to the national rallies, you know, that we do in, in the UK. You know, they're fantastic events. Um, but it's a whole new world when you when you go to when you move to the international level and, and you go to these international level events. Just the well, everything everything goes up. You know, a hundred. Well, you know. 60, 70 percent, you know, the the time you have to put in in preparation, the length of the events as they are, um, all the extra, the rules, the, you know, the, the way you execute everything is just,
0: it has to, it has to just
6: go up a complete another level. Um, and and as you say, you know, it can go one way or the other. Some people can just, you know, well, maybe they just decide they, they don't like it at that level. Um, you know, it's one of them, learn fast or or be left behind, type thing, um, and I'm almost glad I was I was just thrown in like that because I think if I'd have had chance to to properly build myself up for it, I'd have probably overthought it. Um, but at the time, it was I, you know, I got the call, and you know, two weeks later, I was on a plane to China, so I didn't really have have that much time to think about it. Um, and so, yeah, it was it was it was properly properly thrown in the deep end. But I, I think I think. It made me a better co-driver for it anyway. Um, I mean, I, yeah, you know, I needed three out there anyway, but um, they were every one of them was just yeah, it was just completely uh, eye-opening, and it was uh, a brilliant experience, really, really good experience. I can imagine um, it's,
2: it's not one for the shrinking violet either. I think that's where, um, if I can say this, probably where you grew up as well, because. You know, yeah. you've, you, you're expected to have the answers. You're there as a paid, you know, representative of of, of the Red Bull Skoda team. People, people are turning to you saying, right, what's the answer to the question then? Uh, and I'm guessing, yep. you know, you can't be a shrinking violet in that position, really.
6: No, 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 exactly. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's. I, I th- like I said, it's made me a better co-driver for it because at the time, you know, it, that was the first proper experience of of actually having a, a big team, you know, with all these questions, like you say. Um, and you, you've got to know, you've got to know the answers, you've got to be professional about it. Um, as and and same with the driver, you know, Nile's a junior world champion, he's a top, top level driver. Um, and as, as chilled as he was, you know, he's going to have these questions, he's going to expect a, a certain level of professionalism and performance. Um, and you've You've got to be on that level, um, and if you don't get there quick, then it's not going to work out. So, so yeah, it was um, yeah, really good.
2: When you've gone from that, and then obviously you've kind of gone the the the, the, the route that most kind of junior drivers go in the co drivers, in the sense of you know obviously you go from being in a screaming you know um, super two car slash you know table charge car, and then you're back into an R two car. Uh, having been with someone like Niall, does the world somewhat slow down thereafter when you go back to an R2 car from a co-driving point of view? Does it almost feel like I've got a lot more time than what I remember um, than being in these cars when you make that kind of flip between the two?
6: Well, I don't know really. It, it, it does and it doesn't. Um, you know, I mean, obviously the speed does, you know, physically slow down a bit when you go from a Super 2000 to an R2 car. But I think... The level, that, the level that the R2 cars are driven in the series that we were doing at the time. So, you know your ERC and your uh, Drive D Mac uh, Fiesta Trophy in the WRC. You know the pace which you're going on them on those rallies. You know with your with your young up and coming drivers. It's it's still on the door handles. <laughs> you know, um, so I don't think you're ever. I don't think you're ever saying, oh, we're going a lot slower than we were. Um, I think. Almost in any car, if it's driven properly, you can feel on the door handles, and you can feel feel the pressure as the co-driver with the notes and stuff. So, um, so I mean, yeah, it, obviously it does it does physically slow down a little bit, but I think you still get the same thrill out of it if it's if it's been driven properly for sure. Do you
2: know, do you know what I love? Because I've, I've just as we've been talking, I just I've just gone to our go-to as everybody goes. so I just went to EWRC, so I do a little bit of it because I've got it in front of me. <laughs> But do you know what I hadn't Pretty realized, much, right. which which I know, it's, it's, we've had the guys on from behind it and they're just geniuses. We, we love them to bits because they make yeah, our lives I so know. much easier. What I love whenever I look at your years, by the way, there's always kind of a yeah. left field event. And I mean this with the greatest respect because I'm saying this because a lot of these people are my friends. So I think I can see it. Whereas you yeah. look at like a year like 2018 as an example. And
6: I think I know what
2: you're going to say. You're kind of doing, (laughs) you know, Barham, uh, you know, Wales Rally GB, you know, um, know, uh, Catalonia. And then there's the Woodpecker with Callum in the MG. (laughs) It's like completely. (laughs) Now, Callum Black is a very, very good driver and a very, very good friend of mine. Yeah. But I yeah. kind of forgot that you, you, you kind of inadvertently ended up coming back and doing like a, you know, a, a, a BTRDA national event while you're right in the middle of doing a full international season. What? What? I know. I, I've, I've got to ask, and I can say this because I say it genuinely, Callum's a mate. Why? <laughs> what, what? What did well, Callum have did... on you where he could pick the phone up and go, right, Double E, <laughs> you're in the car with me, no matter what.
6: Well, do you know what? There's a bit of there's a bit of a story, but beti- well, behind all of this, in fact, actually, while well, I'm looking at it now as well, um, I mean, it, it really came out of nowhere. Um, Callum had just bought that car back because it's the car which he, he began his career with, uh, and he bought it back. And Callum's a really, really good mate of mine, um, who incidentally now lives about 50 meters from my house. So oh, <laughs> we, we live right, you know, we used to see each other, we used to see each other all the time, and uh, and yeah, he just bought the car back. He would just finished it. And he's like, oh, man, I'm going to do a woodpecker, just a bit of fun. Uh, do you want to do it too? And of course, you know, I would if I had a free weekend, Callum's mate, why not? You know, it's just one of those. Um, but I didn't even realize at the time. But it turned out that that was actually my 100th ever rally. <laughs>
4: wow.
2: So,
6: and the, the, weirdest, no, but the weirdest part of all of this is that actual car is also the car I did my first ever rally in when... I did the... Oh, i probably pronounce this wrong. Um, well, it's the Gareth Hall Memorial Rally at Finnard in Wales. Tr- Finnard, I know it well.
2: With, is that it? Yeah. Yeah.
6: With, yeah. With Matt Edwards. With Matt Edwards. Um, and we came six, six overall, I think it was. And that was my first ever rally in that exact car, which then Callum brought back. And I didn't even realise it until a few rallies after... <laughs> Um, and it turned out that that was my 100th rally in the car, which I did my first ever rally in. Um, and it, I didn't even realise. I <laughs> didn't wow. even know. Um, but you know what's even weirder is that yesterday, um, when I was on my, uh, when we were testing, the BRC test, the guy that was helping Marshall with us was Matt Edwards. So Matt and I also had a catch up yesterday
5: and,
6: <laughs> and talked, about, talked about this very story. So... Very very, very
2: small world. The irony is, <laughs> ten minutes before I spoke to you, I was speaking to Matt's dad. That's how small this rally <laughs> world is. So there, there you go. go. There you go. Anyway, <laughs> listen. What, so so as you're so good with numbers, uh, obviously, second round of the World Rally Championship this coming weekend. What number rallies this for you?
6: Uh, oh geez, put me on the spot now. <laughs> Gotta quickly count. I need to be No,
2: that's cheated. I thought you would have <laughs> went. Boom, that's the no,
6: number. I must have it. No, no idea. No, okay, <laughs> idea. I, I only knew that was my one. I only knew that was my 100th rally um, out of complete complete luck. When I was, in fact, it was a few rallies after, and I just thought, I wonder how many I'd done. So I sat and counted them all up, and then discovered that that had been my 100th rally. So it was by complete chance that I ended up in, in, in that car. Did, did Callum <laughs> give you a nice dollars. plaque
2: or anything like that? Did he give you anything nice to no, commemorate? He didn't. No. no, he didn't. He owes me. He scumbag. <laughs> scumbag, that man. Scumbag. <laughs> Hello. There Hello. you go. There you go. So, listen, we could go forensically through everything you've done, but that's not why I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to talk to you about the past. And I also want to talk to you, obviously, about this coming weekend. Of course, the man... You sat alongside. This is the second bite of the cherry with Cuss of course, because you work with him, as you say, the DMAC drive. Then you went back into the R5 car and now you've gone into the Royal Rally car. You know, the, the, you've kind of been um, inadvertently all the way through each other's careers, haven't you?
6: Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, you know, our first ever rally was the Circuit of Ireland in 2000. And I think it was 15. It was at the beginning of the year, wasn't it? Or was was that it? the at one where the Idris Elba? Uh, was. Yep. was that the one where Idris was, was in the yeah. R1 car? Wow. this a teammate
2: he was for you. Te- he, he, he,
6: he was our teammate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that year. I wow. Know. How strange. Yeah. So, um, So yeah, so that was, that was our first ever rally with Idris Elba as a teammate. Um, and then, yeah, went straight into, well, I think six rounds that year of the, of the Drive DMAC, Fiesta Trophy, which was really good, you know, an up and down year for us. Um, Results-wise, um, and and then yeah, and then went our separate ways at the end of at the end of '15, uh, and then reunited three years later.
2: Wait, who did 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 he send you flowers, or did you send him flowers, or was it chocolates, or? <laughs> uh,
6: no, I didn't need that much persuasion. <laughs> <laughs> just just in an
2: inverted text. How are you doing?
6: Home. Yeah, yeah, Kiss. yeah. I mean, to be honest, it was actually we actually. Ended up, uh, we chatted face to face about it almost because I was actually that year I was doing um, gravel notes for Elvin uh, in 2018. Um, so I was actually seeing Gus quite a lot on the rallies, um, and and so obviously you know he had uh, the accident with with Craig that year, and uh, was was trying out replacement co-drivers, and I was on the rallies anyway with uh, with Elvin, so we were having a, we were having a chat about things and I'd been doing some testing with Elvin as well. So I'd already had, he knew I had some experience in the, uh, in the WRC car, uh, which obviously he knew he was going to have a couple of rallies in, in 19. So that was a, a crucial bit of, a crucial bit of experience really, um, that was needed because obviously, you know, it, it does, it does change quite a bit when you get into one of the world cars. So it's good that I'd, I'd had some mileage in one. um, and, and so, yeah, it all just sort of fell into place, I suppose, really, um, through unfortunate circumstances, obviously, with Craig. But, um, you know, it, we were both there and, and ready, ready for it. And it just seemed like the right time to, to sort of reunite, I suppose.
2: I was just going to ask you about that. that uh, get, Strapping yourself into what we still call them the 17 cars, obviously, strapping yourself into a 17 yeah. rocket ship um when does it stop feeling like you're strapping yourself into a rocket ship or does it still feel like that now
6: well it never feels like it, it, never, <laughs> it never stops feeling like you're strapping yourself into a rocket yeah ever ever <laughs> so the, these cars i the drivers will say the same i'm sure it's just um they, they never don't they never don't feel fast these cars on no matter what the condition is no matter how much you're used to it every time you get in it a lot of a lot of words I, I won't say, but, I, I can,
2: I, <laughs> it's, uh... do, do you know, I, I've been thinking about this quite a lot because obviously next year we see new regulations coming in, which always kind of changes things. And we always rally fans all over the world and we're all guilty of it. We'll always look back through rosy colored spectacles some 20, 25 years on um you know we've we've done it recently with, with with group a and obviously you know and then we're rally cars and obviously we you know everybody still harps on obviously about group b quite rightly so but you know that da, 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 da. Do, do perhaps and you're probably you're probably not one of these people but maybe it's when you get a bit older i'm a little bit older than you elliot unfortunately but do you you probably haven't quite grasped yet that in 20 odd years time when people are looking back through halcyon days and their rosy colored specs the 17 cars are what people talk about like group b today
6: well you know it's weird you say that because actually i I do think exactly that good (laughs) and 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 even gus and i have have said this um you know i mean not that you know 2022 is going to be really exciting of course you know with the introduction of the new technology and you know, the cars are still going to look really, really good. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's not going to get any less exciting for sure. Um, but I think as, as deep down rally fans, these 17 cars are just, they're another world. And it's just, it, it can't help but ignite that thing inside of you. Um, and, and, and we've said ourselves, you know, uh, several times, you know, we've looked at each other and just gone, you know what, I think we're, we're living like the best WRC has ever been. <laughs> it yeah. feels like, you know? I mean these yeah, you know, these cars are just they're just the absolute pinnacle of, of 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 everything. Um and you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a you know hardcore rally fan, you know, group B, stuff like that, so I still love it all. Um but I can't help but feel like these, you know, these cars are just are the wildest it's ever been, in my opinion. Um I know group B was wild in its own way, um, but for sheer Performance. It, it, I just don't think you can beat how it is at the moment. You
2: know. Yeah. No, I've, I, I've been thinking about this a lot because I think it's always a telltale sign when there's a change in regulations and you know people come in and out and you know manufacturers coming in and out, drivers coming in and out and stuff like that. And I always feel, or I always felt, that when we got to the end of this period, this 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 period is going to be looked back on in such a, a halcyon way, in a special way, where you know, uh, you're going to be telling your kids about it, you know, I sat in one of those cars, you know, that that that's, that that's me in that rocket ship, you know, no matter what they're going to be fueled by in 20 years' time, <laughs> who knows, but you know, certainly, yeah, yeah. this is definitely the end of a rally generation in every sense of the word, because we're never going to have purely petrol-powered rally cars with turbo charges, etc. ever again. No, no,
6: um, and, and it's, it is a shame, but like everything, you know, there's excitement in in the way things can progress, for sure. Um, you know, besides rallying, I'm a, I'm a huge motorsport fan in general. Um, and, you know, for example, things like the World Endurance Championship, which I probably know has, has no place on your podcast. But, um, <laughs> you, you, you clearly know, stuff, listened to it to like say that. that. <laughs> 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 um, but, you know, I, I, I love it all. And, you know, I loved it when it was all pure petrol, you know, V10s, V12s and whatnot. But I also loved it when it went hybrid. And it's a whole new set of things to enjoy, um, you know, the different sounds. You know, maybe it sounds slightly different, maybe it's quiet or whatever. But I think it's all it's all still got an appeal to it, um, for me at least. Um, so, yeah, you know, maybe rallying won't be as, as it is at the moment, for sure. Um, but I think with time, you know, it's all going to we'll develop feelings I think for, for the new technology and everything about that and I think it's all still going to be exciting so well I hope so anyway
2: good stuff good <laughs> well, stuff me true. too me too well listen we've got obviously a WRC season um, still to come we're, we're very much in infancy as it were you and Gus um, I suppose to some degree by default you're the guys who are only you know, you're the only ones who are doing all the rounds in the M Sport team this year um, has that brought a pressure to you guys do you think or do you, do, you, do you just think well we're doing our jobs anyway if there was we're still doing the same as what we'd be doing if there was you know two other full-time drivers is for example
6: yeah I mean to be honest for us like you say it doesn't really it doesn't really change much in our view um you know we've got our own job to do we're here to do that um you know from the outside of course it looks like everyone thinks that you know we're you know m sports Banking all their hopes on us and and all that must put on so much pressure, but in reality it's it's not being played out like that um you know we're here to do our full season obviously we have a you know a certain you know obligation to think of what the team are doing and and everything like that um but ultimately we're here to do our thing and um from a pressure side of things side I don't think we feel too much um besides what you would normally feel anyway um it's it's yeah, I think it's a, a fairly you know, we'll we'll just do our own thing and and uh, and, and that'll be that I suppose.
2: Did, you know, obviously from from your guys' point of view and also from your point of view, M Sport is kind of like this. Everybody seems to have gone through M Sport, don't they? Did, 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 do, do you get that feeling now? You're in the teams. You kind of acknowledge and look around the service park and you look back over the last ten or 15, 20 years of the service park. It's like a rite of passage of one way or another, you have to be in an M Sport yeah, car at some yeah. point.
6: Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a strange thing. Um, yeah, almost anyone almost anyone in, yeah, we we're just discussing earlier, weren't we, about what a small world it is. And you talk to almost anybody in the rally in the rally world and, and at some point somewhere they'll have some connection to uh, to M Sport, whether it be you know, competing in one of their cars, working on one of their cars, you know, almost anything. Um I and I really like that. You know, I think um I was just discussing the other day in fact, um about what a what a family feel there is at M Sport. And I think I think M Sport has that sort of family position within Rallying as well. Um you know it's such a such an iconic such an iconic part of, of the WRC but of rallying as a whole, even rallying in 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 the UK, you know all of the all of the support they've given to, you know the BRC and stuff like that. Um, you know yourself, you had a, your Fiesta FT. Um You know, it, it's, that's, yeah, I think got I the think R2 it's, it's now. The well, got, the ar-
2: got the R2 now. Oh yeah, you got oh, the come R2. In the,
6: got the come off in R2 R2 the world now. now. <laughs> a few more years. A few more Absolutely. years. Off. The yeah. WRC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But uh, but no, that's it, you know i think uh I think m sport just it's, it's just it's just become part of the sport and uh and i and I love it for that, you know, um like you know everyone everyone you know that's had a had something to do with m sport will, will, will never have a bad word to say about it either and i, I really like that
2: Brilliant listen Elliot it's been a joy to catch up mate because it, it genuinely it has been such a long long time where we've had time to kind of chew the fat and just talk about stuff um please pass our best on to Gus. we've not spoken to him for a little while but normally as ever when we do these things Gus and i end up on the phone for about four hours and then we end up doing about 10 minutes for the podcast so uh, i tell him i've missed our chats and we need to have a catch up soon but um you've got to get back to getting yourself ready for this week obviously i'm assuming you're uh, are you in a, a kind of lockdown situation where you're at the moment have you have you got to do another covid test before you go out to actually test the rally car or what how's it working
6: well, we're actually we are actually all um, all covid clear for the moment. So we had obviously our test before we left and then had a test on arrival in Helsinki and then had another test on arrival in uh, Robin Yemi. Uh and then we've got those clear tests now so we've got our accreditation band which gets us into the service area. But yeah, we're sort of I mean we're not under like full lockdown um but we're in our hotel and we've all got our own um our own levels and our own lifts and everything. So we're all fairly isolated from anyone that's here for non-rally reasons. Um, But yeah, I mean, obviously, avoiding going out too much at the moment anyway, mainly because it's minus 14, not because of COVID. That's
2: that's a a damn um, good reason.
6: That's a damn good reason. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, mate, Um, genuinely,
2: send our best to everybody at M-Sport. Send them our best, and I hope you have a fantastic rally, and it won't be best on part of six years before you come back on with us again okay i promise
6: uh, i hope i hope not i hope i've not done that bad a job huh? you've done a fantastic <laughs> job
2: mate um, you always do a good job that's that's why you very nearly sat with me there you go <laughs> <laughs> what's
6: um, this say what's this i know absolutely oh,
2: <laughs> on that note, on that note, Elliot Elbertson, thank you so much for joining us at Absolute Rally. Folks, that has been the podcast for this week. Hope you've enjoyed it. Spread the love, spread the word. We'll
4: be back same time in your little podcast hole next week. Absolute Rally. Powered
3: by the Kielder Works team. Spread the word and download the podcast every week.